Tyson Ross, Homer Bailey, Andrew Bailey, Houston Street, Brett Anderson, Stephen Matz. Besides being good pitchers, what do they have in common? They can't seem to stay on the mound. Is it bad luck? In this episode of The Fix, we'll dig into why some pitchers are so injury prone. And you'll also learn what it means to have neuritis in the elbow. And finally, if you have a pitcher who hooks the ball, we have a full suite of troubleshooting tips on how to correct it. All this and more in Season 4, Episode 6 of The Fix. Thank you for tuning in to Season 4, Episode 6 of The Fix, featuring baseball pitching motion troubleshooter Angel Borelli. And we are recording right around the middle of June, for those of you who are listening in the future. This week, we actually have some good news and trending topics. We have a number of pitchers who are coming back from injury. It seems like all of the injuries that we had back in spring training, and we sure had a lot of them, didn't we, Angel? We did. Tons. Yeah, so now what's happening is a lot of these pitchers are starting to come back. The Mets just had two pitchers come back, Seth Lugo and Steven Matz. They both had elbow issues that we thought might require Tommy John surgery. A couple other pitchers here who are coming back. I know Brad Boxberger is on the way back. Zach Britton from the Orioles is supposedly coming back soon. So is Andrew Bailey. Aroldis Chapman is soon to be on the way back. Madison Bumgarner just threw off a mound on Sunday and is supposed to be throwing a simulated game soon. We talked about him and his unfortunate motorcycle accident. And once again, Angel, you know, we can't say it enough. Pitchers need to stay off motorcycles. <laughs> yes. So Angel, I was going through the list of injuries and there was there was one that caught my eye because I, I don't know if, if it's just being described differently from what we normally see or if it's something that's unusual. There's a pitcher on the White Sox named Nate Jones who has had two MRIs after symptoms of neuritis in his pitching elbow. And I, I don't remember seeing the term neuritis as a symptom. I mean, I'm sure it's been out there before, but it's not something that's fairly common. So I was hoping you could tell us what exactly neuritis in the pitching elbow might be. Well, the reason why you don't recognize it is it's usually called ulnar nerve inflammation. Ah, Yeah, so good catch on that one. So, uh, I mean, it's possible it's another nerve, and it's why they didn't uh, call it that, but I would suspect that it's the ulnar nerve. So let's talk about ulnar nerve neuritis. So um, the ulnar nerve obviously feeds the ulnar side of the arm which of course is where the UCL is and the ulnar nerve where it where usually it causes problems for a pitcher is in the upper arm so it would be above the crease and it would be on the inside of the elbow uh, musculature that goes from the elbow to the shoulder and it involves usually the medial head of the tricep the ulnar nerve sits pretty close to the surface and what happens with pitchers is because they're using the arm all the time and the muscles are contracting sometimes you have something that happens where on a real estate level the ulnar nerve displaces it gets displaced now it can get displaced for many reasons but normally you would think of it as something some strain through the musculature the muscle contracted a certain way and in a sense it just kind of displaces that nerve and so really when a pitcher is having trouble with it he almost can rub his finger across it and he feels it and so what they do is they of course because it's inflammation they try to get the inflammation down and uh, and if that doesn't work they actually go in and do the surgery and they actually pick the nerve up, move it aside, make some space between the muscles and lay the thing back down. And I think uh, I remember for, from some conferences, there's many different ways they deal with it. And it depends on how it's uh, um, inflamed or what the problem is, hopefully not damaged. Um, but that's actually what it is. And it's really important for pitchers 
who get this problem to look at the kind, first of all, the mechanics have to be looked at to make sure you're not putting stress on the inside of that arm. And there are specific mechanical flaws with the um, arm that can cause a lot of stress there. But mainly, they want to look at what they're doing in the gym as well to be sure that they're not recruiting that muscle in a way where it starts to become overactive and it actually can contribute to dislodging that that um, thing but that is what what that is and it's actually more common I've dealt with uh, many guys that have had that and um, some didn't need surgery some did so um, and it's you can come back from it it's not the layoff from UCL but you end up with the scar that looks like you had UCL surgery okay it's usually not called neuritis when they talk about it in the news I'm pretty sure Jacob deGrom of the Mets was one of the bigger names that had that injury. I think it was toward the end of last year. I think we actually talked about it. I think we talked about the possibility that it could have been the result of something that happened after Tommy John surgery because he was a he did have Tommy John surgery several years ago. So really could happen as a result of pitching mechanics, but it could also be weight training or Yes, and also, too, it's interesting to me they're taking two MRIs because if it is that, it would show in an MRI. So I don't know why they're uh, doing a second one. So what that tells me is is that it may not be related to the arm. Uh, it could be coincidental that it's an ulnar nerve, in which case they need to look at the neck because the nerves come out of the neck that feed uh, feed the arm. And when a pitcher, and obviously Dallas Keuchel has neck problems, Um, You know, a pitcher is turned towards the plate and you have muscles on the side of the neck that are called opposite side rotators. And so if you picture a right-handed pitcher, he's looking at the plate all the time while his body is sideways. Let's think of him going from the stretch. And so the muscles on the right side are always working, turning the head to the left side. But he's not balancing that movement by turning his head and looking over his right shoulder. So what you get, it's like being in a gym and only training one direction. So sometimes those muscles get really tight because of the imbalance of both sides. And if that muscle pulls on one of the vertebra of the cervical vertebrae, it will pull that bone out. This is why chiropractors are uh, awesome at this, especially the ones that have a true experience with neck adjustments. If that, mu- if that muscle is pulling that bone out, that nerve's going to start to be affected. And then that nerve gets affected. And this is how we know we need to go see a chiropractor. We get this pain in our neck. Then all of a sudden, our little finger's going numb, which would be one of the symptoms that he probably had. His baby finger would be numb. And that's the ulnar nerve feeds that, that finger. And that's when you go and make sure you're in alignment. In fact, to me, that's, that's the first way I would approach it is take a look at the bones because what's in interesting is the the neck of a pitcher is always developed on one side more than the other because of the way their head is turned. So guys, when you start to have problems in your arms, especially things that are nerve related, think of where the nerve originates at and go get that looked at. And of course, continue with the medical approach as well with MRIs. But it's telling me that if they've had two MRIs, something's inconclusive. And I'm hoping that they know to have his neck looked at and see if the source of the problem is coming from his cervicals. You know, you're talking about the picture, the way he's facing on the mound all the time. And it, it just it just came to me that I remember when I was when I was a young pitcher in high school and I remember reading somewhere or learning somewhere from a coach or something about when you're taking signs from the catcher that you should try to keep good posture and stand straight up and have the ball in the glove. I'm just want to throw this out there. If, if you're the kind of pitcher who likes to like lean over and peek in and look for the sign that way and put his arm, you know, behind his back, when you do that over and over and over and over and over again, hundreds of times a game and thousands of times a season over season, is is that something that could actually lead to you know an issue with your back or your neck or or something like this well, first of all, all pitchers, uh, I don't care if you're going from the wind-up or the stretch, the right side of your, the, let's talk about a right-handed pitcher, the right side of your abs, your obliques, the right, uh, the, the, the right side of your back muscles, 
which the muscles that go from the neck, they go all the way down. There's groupings that go from the um, occipital ridge of the head, which is that bone in the back of the head, that go all the way down next to the spine, all the way to your pelvis. And if you're rotating to one side, which all pitchers do, I mean, I don't care if they're going from the stretch or the windup, their lead leg, when their lead leg goes out, they're sideways. And at this point in the motion, they're looking at the target. And then they rotate to bring that uh, backside around to square up. So it's like getting on the ground and doing uh, rotations for your abs and only going to one side. So the biggest issue we have with one-sided athletes, this would be true for golf as well uh, and for tennis players, is that you need to, this is why athletes need to train, you can't be on the field balancing this but you go in the gym and you balance it so you know we do tons of back work in the gym and because we want to make sure that the athletes are balanced that the the, that the pitchers are balanced and one way I do it I'm always looking at the pitcher's shoulder height their head placement their neck placement because I'm wanting to be sure and the minute I see something that's lower uh, my long distance clients, I just said to a pitcher the other day, take your shirt off right now, look in the mirror and tell me if your right arm's lower than the left. He says, yes, it is. So when I designed a workout, I designed a workout to bring that right shoulder up. And the last thing he told me before I sent him more is I said, did these last three days of workouts fix that? He says, yeah, it's totally level. I said, okay, awesome. Because if it wasn't, I would still be addressing that. So the imbalances need to be addressed in the gym. So it's very common to have this kind of problem. It's why golfers get, uh, they have back surgery because golfers per se have never been athletes that go train in a gym you you don't see it as much in football because they're always in a gym and now of course baseball it's common as well but um yeah so you're going to have problems when you rotate one way and it's not so much yes your posture always needs to be good but in terms of anything that involves rotation remember that is a a direction of a force that is always complicated for the body and uh spinal rotation is what we're talking about so uh, standing straight up is a great thing but the way you rotate and how well you do it and that you're not doing anything real strange when you do it that's important and then making sure you balance it that's even more important okay so as far as like just taking the sign that's not as big a deal if you if you bend over or lean over or whatever you know, for, to me, those are the sorts of things that make a pitcher a pitcher. I, I'm into alignment, and I mean, if he's leaning over in a way where he's rounding his back uh, in a way that's not healthy, I would s- correct and say, hey, when you're doing this, lift your chin a little bit more so your low back is in a correct position. But most of the time, the things that make a pitcher pitch a pitcher who he is, I don't like to take those things away from him unless he's having a problem so if a pitcher says every time I lean way over and I take my signs like I was watching a pitcher last week and I can't think of who he is but oh the guy raises his arm out to the side and he looks like he's doing a hangman kind of thing it's oh I I know he's a very famous pitcher I just don't have that chip for remembering names but I remember thinking wow that's really unusual if he said to me why I have so much pain when I lean over and take my signs this way well then we would have to rebuild that and he'd be happy to because he doesn't want to be in pain but the way a pitcher does the beginning of his motion whether he goes over his head on his wind up or the way he takes a sign is so personal to these guys and they got to have that moment to be who they are and they that that's their way of collecting themselves so I think that the way you take your signs, because normally no one teaches you how to do that. That's something that just morphs into you. You're a little kid. Maybe you see a pitcher do it and you copy it. So that's really my opinion on those things. But we never want a pitcher to use his body once he starts his motion in an inefficient way. And also, too, like I said, if you're doing something and it hurts you, then that is something to look at and and make an adjustment to because you can't have your back be hurting in any way, shape, or form because the rest of your limbs will start to have symptoms. 
Okay. I, I think the, the pitcher you were talking about was Craig Kimbrell from the Red Sox. That's him. Yeah. That's him. Uh, yeah, I knew it began with a K. I couldn't remember. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and then there was another pitcher that I saw leaning way over. I was watching a lot of Yankees games the last few weeks. As everyone knows, I'm a Yankees fan. Um, and there were a lot of pitchers they were playing that were leaning way over. And I thought, you know what? If I was a pitcher, I'd probably lean way over like that, too. It's just cool <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know what you're getting your eyeball right on that plate and it's kind of an intimidating sort of look so I, I really got it but I think the way pitchers start their motion shows so much about who they are yeah well I used to lean over yeah. like that too when I was when I was a pitcher but it was because I needed glasses not any other <laughs> I couldn't see the signs so I was leaning over that's great. <laughs> that's great yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's funny because I because Kimbrell was exactly the pitcher who was in my head when uh, when you were talking about mm-hmm. all this, and, and he does have a very unusual... Yeah. I wouldn't recommend you do it, but if you do it and you feel good with it, then go ahead and do it. Yeah. Okay, so usually, Angel, you give us the teaching moment from working in the trenches. This episode, I want to turn things around. I have a question that I'd like you to answer for the teaching moment. So, I, you know, I'm going through the, the list of all the injured pitchers, the guys who were on the way back, getting injured. I just want to throw some names at you, Angel, for a moment. And I want you to tell me after I after I'm done if you see anything any similarities with all these pitchers or anything in common. Andrew Bailey, Homer Bailey, Charlie Morton, Tyson Ross, Tyler Skaggs, Jared Weaver, Trevor Cahill, Brett Anderson, all those names. You've heard them before? Any of them? Well, let's see. We've been doing this podcast, this specific podcast, for how many seasons? Uh, we're on season four. Right. And before I did this, I did a, um, it was a spree cast, and so it was a visual thing. Right. And I think we did that for two years. You were actually a guest on that, and that's yeah. how I got to know you, yes. Yeah. So this is six years, and those names over the last six years have come up more than one time with injuries. So we see, you, they seem to be in a club of I get injured, and then I get injured again, and then I get injured again. They're the repeat injury pitchers because I know Andrew Bailey, I was talking about, I actually predicted him and an injury he was going to have to a reporter that interviewed me way back. And I said, oh, by the way, so-and-so, because he was talking about a specific team, I'm worried about him because of such-and-such. And And about two months later, he writes me a letter, and and this is all he put down. He was a reporter for a a great newspaper out here. He wrote wrote in the email, this is all he said, you're scary, (laughs) because my prediction rate's pretty high. So, yeah, I recognize those names. All right. Ding, 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 ding. You got it. They are all in that club of just constantly getting injured. Now, Angel, you know, these these same guys keep getting injured over and over again. And it's not always the same injury. Sometimes it's a forearm. Sometimes it's a it's an elbow. Sometimes it's a shoulder. Sometimes it's a hip. It's a back. It's a neck. It's a this. It's a that. Are these guys just unlucky or is there some common thread among them is it the the water they're drinking are they on the wrong set of Gatorade like what's what how how does a pitcher become you know just susceptible to injury and just can't stay on the mound well I think that it has to do with something that I talk about all the time which is if you don't figure out the cause of an injury and this would be your very first injury you ever sustain if you don't find out the cause of that injury, you will do what it takes to heal it, and you will use a Band-Aid approach to getting better, but whatever caused it is still there, and it may rear its ugly head immediately, or it may allay itself for a while, but eventually it's going to catch up with you again. Now, let's say you had an injury that in your shoulder that you never identified the cause. So you get better, you do the rest, you take the anti-inflammatories, you do a therapy program, and then you get back on the mound and nobody's looked at why did your shoulder all of a sudden start to hurt. Unless it's a very unusual situation, and sometimes 
overuse, but, you know, overuse is really more, you could call it a weakness. If you don't look for the weakness that allowed it or the mechanical issue that allowed it, you are going to either get better and then you re-injure it because you're doing the exact same thing, or your body is going to be really smart, make a little adjustment so you don't use that shoulder the same way, and then the next thing you know, you've got elbow pain. So in this group of pitchers, where you have the guys that are always injured, it's important, is it the same injury or now is it something else? And what that tells me in either case is nobody ever gave them the cause of the injury. And when you don't know the cause, and I keep saying this, so I hope everyone, you know, everybody hears everything when they need to hear it. You know, uh, that's why we repeat things when we're teachers, because not it may not be pertinent to you, so you don't really take it in. But your body has one way of talking to you, to tell you you're doing something wrong, and that is through soreness and pain. And it gets really mad when you don't listen, and then it breaks down to a point where you have to be shut down from either walking down the stairs or going to work or playing your sport or whatever it is. It will shut you down. And if you don't listen, it'll end, you'll end up on a surgical table. So this is true for all human beings. Your body only has one way to say, hey, you're doing something wrong. We're a machine that's put together with kind of like nuts and bolts. If you've got a window that slides up and down, but you grab underneath it and try to pull it towards you, something's going to bend in the frame. Something's going to break. So the joints are designed to move very specifically. So it moves very efficiently when you, you know, when you're moving a window up and down in the track, wow, is that easy. But if that window's off the track, you go to lift it, you can't even move it. That's the way the body's designed. So if you're getting a symptom, when you're especially a pitcher, you have to understand there's a reason why it's hurting or sore or not recovering all of a sudden you have to find the cause and if you don't listen to your body it will morph into something else and even when you get past the original injury you'll either re-injure or you'll have a different type of injury because the body's pretty smart and it will reorganize on its own your movement and I'm not saying in a way that you know you're not a righty you're going to all of a sudden be a lefty but it'll make these adjustments in a way you may not even notice that's why we see uh-oh, he's out with shoulder pain. Uh-oh, he's out with elbow pain. Uh-oh, he's got forearm pain. Oh, and now his hip hurts. Or his hip hurts and now his elbow hurts. Because we have correlations to where the lower body, if it hurts, it'll do something to the arm movement. I mean, we know this, but also as a kinesiologist, I know this because of the way the body's organized. So this goes back to not finding the cause of the injury and always remember everybody coaches pitchers whatever is hurting you is not really the reason the reason is not lying in that joint usually it's another joint that created your limb or whatever it is to move in a crazy way and that crazy way it moved because of something else is what is hurting but it's not the cause so you have to be and that's why when I work with injured pitchers I do what's called a forensic analysis you know they tell me their forearm hurts well it's not that their forearm is doing something weird I mean sometimes it is you know the, the type of pitch they're throwing whatever but you know normally if I'm looking at an elbow injury or a shoulder injury I'm looking at how do how does he get to the place where his shoulder and his elbow are compromised so that's what I, I is my answer to that it's not bad luck it's never finding the cause and the cause keeps finding you okay now let me let me play devil's advocate here now how do you answer the people and there are, are plenty of them especially in MLB who say well the cause is the fact that he's a pitcher uh, or in more, even more, he's a pitcher who throws really hard and, and pitching and throwing hard are two unnatural acts for the human body. 
Well, first of all, if your body's doing it, it's not an unnatural act. That's the first thing. I mean, I've heard people say that. I used to hear that way back when I was a graduate student going to conferences where I didn't know anything. And the people on the stage, I thought they knew everything. So I was listening to everything they said. And I remember being taken aback by pitching such an unnatural motion. Well, a, a sport wouldn't be developed around it if it was that unnatural. Now, way back then, you know, pitchers weren't training and doing all their things. But yeah, and the way some pitchers do pitch, it does look a little strange. But the deal is, is that it's not unnatural. It, every joint is going through a motion that it does because joints can't go through a motion that it doesn't do. If you do, it it will injure immediately. It's just like uh, I said, if you go to roll your window up, you're lifting your window in your house up and down. That's the way it moves. And so you can't say, gee, that's an unnatural act. You take that window and you pull it towards you and it bends out of the frame and the glass breaks. Well, you were moving it in a way that it wasn't designed. So your body couldn't go into external rotation if it wasn't designed that way. Is it going to a greater degree than most humans? Yes, but that's part of your training. When bodies break down from a skill, the first thing I say is he wasn't doing it right or he didn't have the strength to support the skill. That's why when I got onto, into the base, that's how I started in the baseball industry as a strength and conditioning coach for athletes. And then I saw, wait a minute, nobody's caring about pitchers. And that's how I started getting involved with pitching and first making them strong. And this was back in the 90s when people were still saying, no, pitchers shouldn't run sprints, and no, they shouldn't lift weights. And uh, you know, my my clients that I've been that have been with me for ten years or so, they're not injured. You know, so and that why? Because we're big on getting in the gym, training, and we identify. And as my pitchers throw harder, I know I have to make them more able to throw hard. So there is the answer to that. It's it's and yes, is some of it because they're doing things very intensely, like when you drive your car really fast. Do your tires get bald faster than someone else's? Yeah, probably, but you notice it and you replace them. So if you stay up with it, the chances of this happening will be reduced. We'll never be able to avoid it because there's a lot of things we don't understand. But the things you can control are, for example, like I said, are your shoulders level? If they're not, your pitching arm's broken down if it's hanging low. Are you getting sore and not recovering? If you are, you're doing something wrong. You know, my guys do the preparation and the recovery program. From moment one, the minute they come off the mound, they're on the roll of rebuilding what they just used. So if you stay neck and neck with it, now if you're someone who's pitched for 20 years and then you all of a sudden get with this program, yeah, you got a, a lot of catching up to do. That's why for you young guys, get started right away. And you know the good news is, Joe, they are. All the teams, all the pitchers, they're all training now. But these guys that we're talking about on this list, they've been around for a while. And they've had crazy mechanics. Tyson Ross, uh, you know, he's from out here. I saw him many years ago and thought, wow, what's going to happen to him? Because he doesn't use his legs. You know, and I thought, God, is he going to overuse his arm? So it's kind of that sort of thing where you go, those are things you can control when you're an athlete. So coaches, if you've got young athletes and you go, God, he's got a great arm, but wow, he can't even run or he can't do this. What you're saying is he doesn't look physically fit for the skill. The skill is the gift. The training helps you use your gift. So it's so important to know that. So I would never blame the skill. So when people say it's an unusual thing, the reason why I personally don't like statements like that is because then what? Is there any hope in that statement at all? Oh, that means, oh, you're a pitcher, you're going to get hurt. No, we always take the approach of, hey, let's find a solution. Let's do the best we can. If my pitchers get injured, which they don't, but if they do, if something happens, they don't sit back and go, wow, I was lazy. I didn't train this injury. I could have avoided it. They say, hey, you know what? 
I've done everything right. My mechanics are sound. My training is sound. This was just one of those things. And that's the important position you want to find yourself in. Thanks, Angel. I mean, you know, we're on the same wavelength, but that that is definitely uh, a prevalent notion around baseball at every level is that you know, if you pitch, it's just inevitable you're going to get hurt. And I agree with you. How that That's a really hopeless way of looking at things. Yeah. I, I really hope that, you know, people listening don't take that approach. And I don't think they do if they're listening to us. Uh, the argument I like to use as far as the unnatural motion, there are a lot of supposedly unnatural motions going on in a weight room, like hammer curls and bench presses and squats and deadlifts and all of these different uh, exotic, unique movements with weights and kettlebells and this and that. I don't know that the human body in any history was doing any of that sort of thing. And But people don't get hurt when they're bench pressing, but some do. And some people get hurt when they're deadlifting and some don't. And, you know, I, this is your field angel weightlifting and everything this is uh it's mostly because of technique wouldn't it be yeah in fact you know this thing i'm saying about pitchers when their body is talking to them i mean i've been in the gym i mean i started lifting weights in 1978 so i've been in a gym forever and i've been a strength coach for 37 years so i was professionally trained and um you know, people would come up to me that, you know, when you're in a gym, you know everybody, and people who go to the gym don't stop going. So there's people I see that I've been seeing for 30 years, and I can remember 30 years ago them coming to me saying, Angel, my shoulder hurts. And I say, well, I just saw you benching, and, you know, your grip was too close, or you were, like, dropping your chest, blah, blah, giving him feedback. No, didn't change it, nothing. And the next week, they're in, they're, you know, a year later, I see them. Where have you been? Oh, I had surgery. They come back, still training the same way. Oh, uh, I'm having elbow surgery. I mean, you, and then all of a sudden they disappear, and you know their body gave out on them. You know, the body in the gym, the training is, there's no better training for the body than training in a gym with weights because every machine is designed around the way the joint that it's working works. You think a guy sits down and develops a machine press, you know, one that's, uh, you know, calibrated with plates and or, or with uh, selectorized, I should say, and he's designing the way the handles move and he doesn't know the way that part of the body moves. No, it's very, it's put together just the way a car is so that your tires always move forward. Okay, you get in trouble when you, you know, get drive up over a curve or do something stupid with your car. That's how it breaks down. But um, no, in a gym, it's the safest place because everything's directed towards the way the joint works. Unfortunately, you see people who don't honor that because their goal is something else. Their goal isn't to move correctly. Their goal is to lift uh, more weight than their training partner just lifted in which case the body will do whatever it can and get into any shape to move that weight that's the same difference in when a pitcher at an early age is thinking about throwing as hard as he can instead of being concerned with how he throws and that's why at an early age coaches we want to make sure that before they get to 12 and it happens at 12 that they still be cons- that you try to help them with how they do what they do so that when they start wanting to throw harder they've at least got a good foundation and it's no different than we teach them in school hey let's learn good grammar and then if you want to talk a little slang okay but we've got to learn the ABCs first. And I think that that is something that in life is a good rule. And I know that all of us do employ that rule, but for some reason we kind of forget it when we're involved in athletics. So uh, to me, that's the the take home message here is uh, think about how you do what you do, not just what you do. I think that's a, that's a great comparison. And, uh, and I hope more people start adopting that idea because it, it, it baffles me that just about every sport, on the planet, you know, there are injuries and, and whatever, but no one ever says, oh, you know, well, you play soccer, so you're going to get injured. Or Pitching is the only thing that people accept the idea that it's hopeless and injuries mm-hmm. are inevitable. And it, it just makes no sense at all because it's, it's, it's a sport just like any other sport. It's an athletic movement, just like any other athletic movement. If you do it wrong, you're going to get hurt. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's pitching, soccer, ballet, whatever it is, you do it wrong you're going to get hurt. It's, it's not yes. just because 
Well, you know, I want to say one more thing about this. I get so many referrals from coaches, and and the coaches I have the highest respect for, they call me and they say, Angel, I've got this pitcher. He looks he's got such a great arm and wow he throws hard for his age and wow he knows how to locate his pitches but every time I look at him I go ouch he looks like he's gonna hurt himself I want you to take a look at him and I go okay and of course you know my job is not to destroy any of those things he does well but guess what if he does look that bad and he's still pitching that well that tells me how strong his gift is now my job is is to bring up the other parts to equal that it's not to cut down on that and I never ever take that away from a pitcher his velocity his location skills when we're in a training session may that go wrong momentarily absolutely but you make clear hey we're training so coaches when you find yourself going oh ah that looks really like it hurts but god he's so good especially at an early age get on get on it with trying to get him to pitch more correctly physically and a lot of times just taking an athlete and getting them in the gym when a anybody who lifts weights can't slump over anybody who lifts weights they usually they look we we handle our bodies differently a lot of times just learning how the body works you bring that into the motion and emotion improves itself so if you have clients like that or pitchers like that or if you are a pitcher that you get the job done but you hurt so bad after you pitch think about getting a correction to that Uh, so that you don't get in deeper always remember the body always wins you can't violate the rules of the bones and you can't violate the rules of the muscles without paying a big price it will always win when that day would come is hard to say it's sooner for some later for others but it always wins thanks angel i think that's really good advice all right so We are going to move on to getting it done. We actually have a question from one of our listeners. Oh, good. And I think that uh, you're the person to answer it. All right. Yeah. uh, uh, Earlier in this season of ours of Baseball Pitching the Fix, we discussed hooking the wrist. And we have a question from Justin Kay. And he says, in your opinion, how do you get rid of hooking the wrist when throwing? What kind of drills or philosophy do you have of fixing it and i figured it would be easier to explain it here on the show oh well his name was justin yes okay justin i'm glad you uh wrote in on that it's such a great question and i love the part of your question where you asked how do you even approach trying to solve that problem Uh, you know is it a drill or what should your thinking be on it and and you know I'm a concept teacher I like to teach concepts so all of you coaches can use your own creativity to come up with ways that work for you so understanding the injury or understanding the flaw is really really important Um, so just so everybody knows what we're talking about so hooking of the wrist if you don't know what it is so everybody put their arm out in front of them so they can see and the palm should be faced up towards the ceiling and um, let's just bend the fingers towards your forearm and that that uh, wrist position is called flexion and so you're flexing your wrist now keep it in that position and just turn your hand over so you're still flexed but you rotated your forearm so that your fingers are now pointing down to the ground that's how the wrist would look when a pitcher is coming out of the glove and if anybody needs a photo of this you know I'm a Yankees fan and so the other day I'm looking and I said you know someone's gonna ask about what does hooking look like and I have a lot of pictures of it but of course I got my phone out and I went up to my TV screen and you know the master of hooking is Tanaka how he has not been injured is amazing to me because he has been a hooker most of his life and I know he does and he does go in and out of location problems and I swear 
it has to do with the fatigue that that hooking does on his forearm because the forearm rotates to position the ball. So if anybody were going to ask me, take a stab at why he goes in and out of being successful, I would say, well, he's tiring out his forearm. But that flexion position is one where the ball now is hanging down towards the ground, so it's lower than the wrist. Everything you have to do now as that pitcher, he's got to come uphill. Plus, if you turn your hand back over and you make that wrist position of flexion, now close your fingers and go back and forth doing that. Flexing, flexing, flexing. And put your hand on the inside of your forearm just below the crease. See what's contracting there? So you're contracting all the muscles that work around the elbow joint and that work over the UCL. So the problem with hooking is you get forearm fatigue, number one. Number two, that part I just had you touch on the inside of the forearm, that's called the flexor pronator mass. It gets tight, it gets sore. Third thing that really goes wrong, you cannot recover. That forearm is so... The forearm is one of the most complicated muscle groups of the body, believe it or not. You've got wrist muscles, finger muscles, tendons. It's very complicated. If it And it's got tons of slow twitch fibers, which by the way, you know, they can go a long time without getting tired. Obviously, your wrist and hand are involved in pretty much everything you do all day long. So, of course, the forearm has to be something that isn't easily fatigued. But when you're doing a sport in a precision skill like this, you don't want to be fatiguing the forearm. The forearm rotates in addition to bending the wrist. Everything about a pitch is the way your forearm rotates and how you bend your wrist. That's how we have the different pitch types. Also, the wrist, you know, they say when they've done the research, 21% of the velocity comes from the wrist. I don't think we want our wrist doing something it shouldn't be doing because, again, you're not being quote-unquote efficient. So we've got fatigue, we've got the tightness in the forearm, we've got the inability to recover, plus there's ways that the muscles work that some muscles are called two joint muscles and if you interfere with the mechanics of those and without getting into detail you're interfering with the mechanics of some of the musculature around the elbow and uh, the forearm and it leads to, it can lead to serious damage. So you don't want to have the you know, hooking is not a good thing. So the first thing you have to do when you have some that, someone that hooks Justin is you have to look at where is the hooking occurring. So you, there's a place you see it and it's probably when it's already out of the glove. But you have to identify where does it start. So the first place you look is you look at where is the pitcher where is he starting the hooking and the first place you look is inside the glove you probably can picture this some guys have their wrist very hooked inside of the glove so when they come out they're already hooked and so when they come out it may keeps the it stays hooked it stays flexed and that's because the error started in the glove and they just never changed it. A lot of guys hook in the glove, you know, because of the height of where their glove is and because of the position of the fingers, they may not be able to have a wrist that's straight, which would be what we call extension. So if it's in the glove that they're hooking and they happen to be a pitcher that can't come out of the glove and straighten it out, which the high percentage of them do, then you know for this particular pitcher, he's starting the error in his glove. Then you have to decide, can he have the correct wrist position in the glove so he gets started on the right track right away? Or do you have to actually make an adjustment to where he's holding the glove or how he's holding it? It may be too far away from his body. It may be too low. That's something for you to look at. But by identifying that he's already hooked in the glove and his wrist is coming out of the gloved hooked and doesn't change, that gets you started to figuring out what to solve. You can't create a drill unless you know where the problem starts because where it starts is the only area you have to work in. 
So another place that's common for pitchers who hook is it happens after the hands separate. So the glove descends, let's say, down to belt buckle height, and everything looks good, and then their arm, their wrist starts to hook, and now you, you get the Tanaka look. And I can't tell what he's doing in the glove. I can only see that piece that we see on TV where it's down by his, uh, the outside of his, his right leg, and his, he's very hooked. So let's say he comes out of the glove. He's looking good. He's looking good. He's looking good. His hand passes the front of his thigh, and then all of a sudden it hooks. Well, guess what? all the only place you work is the place where it goes bad so you just have him hold the ball in the glove you have him hold the ball up by his sternum get rid of the glove so you're just seeing that the hand with the ball let him come down and say you're good you're good you're good and then just when he starts to bend it you say that's where you that's where your fly is now get through that place without doing that and let him just have that drill so he's working on that two inches of where he's making the error so you say you're good you're good now right here think about it think about it don't change it don't change it and then he gets through that moment and then he brings his arm up into early cocking so now you're working with only the place where he is making the change now wrist issues are intense because they're very nervous system driven meaning that's a habit that's why the pitcher needs you don't go okay you're hooking so let's you know here's an arm drill no you have to give him a, a, a movement pattern where the minute his wrist starts to bend you give him the cue as to that's the place to concentrate the middle finger is usually the finger that is letting loose that allows the flexion because the middle finger the way it's rolled around the ball is a very strong finger for that wrist position so you want to take a look at the way he's holding the ball the middle finger and the thumb are critical to maintaining a good wrist position in any sport movement that involves holding something or even in the gym they're strength muscles so take a look at if you see something and this is your expertise coaches if you see something with the ways gripping or not gripping or if he's kind of loose or if he's too tight or if his thumb's in a weird place is it way up to the side or is it too far under is he creating a problem and that's what you want to do so see you've got to find the source also one of the biggest problems that I see is where the pitcher actually puts the glove if his glove is let's picture a right-handed pitcher he's taking the glove up and let's say if he put it straight up it'd be over in front of his face and then let's say he he and then he rotates it to the right side of his head so he's got the glove high it's away from his body it's to the right side of his head well what you don't realize is is that his shoulder and his arm are creating an angle where his arm's going to come down and go behind his body and when his arm goes and goes behind his body that's when hooking occurs because everything is moving in a certain pattern so sometimes by changing where that glove position is and again don't do this unless you have to but if that's the reason that is causing the problem if you see him coming out of the glove and he's fine but then he goes behind his body instead of alongside of it as he's getting it to his lowest point of uh, the separation change the glove position and see if that doesn't uh, correct the problem so those are just some simple solutions but with the take-home message being you've got to find out where the hooking starts and then work with just that and of course you've got him working with his glove without his glove in the mirror with the ball and um, and also a good thing that I like to do is I like to have the pitcher put his glove arm behind him and then I ask him to throw and this can be playing catch or pitching and also by the way notice if that happens when he's playing catch and pitching or just one or the other um, and have him pitch with just his pitching arm and see if the hooking disappears if it disappears then you know the problems with what he's doing in the glove wow um, that started out seemingly innocent simple question but it had <laughs> quite a comprehensive answer I would say <laughs> 
Yes, it's always comprehensive. Well, you have to be thorough, and I've only touched on some of the things, but um, that is, that's the place to start. And uh, for any coach or pitcher out there, um, we're not going to write Tanaka a letter and get him to change, but you know what? If you're doing this, it is creating extra fatigue in the part of your arm that you do not want fatigue. It is also incorrect. And by the way, most guys who hook, they're also telegraphing the pitch at that low point of their body. They're usually behind their body so the hitter can see the ball when it's at that low point of separation. So try to get this solved. And in the gym, the pitcher who's flexing too much he needs to do wrist extension exercises and those are cable wrist exercises if you own my book there's a great one in there there's a few things in there for the wrist um, and if not when you get to the gym um, ask somebody who knows what they're doing there to show you how to do uh, cable wrist extensions and uh, you'll get this problem solved you have to uh, it has to be two two things mechanical awareness and mechanics and then also the strength in the gym all right you know your boy tanaka he's he has had some injuries with his elbow he does have a slightly torn ucl as far as we know and he's just been pitching with it and so that could be related right yeah and wow if he wants to extend his career that's a reason not to be stubborn about changing mechanics, isn't it, Joe? Like, okay, so. we, you know, I see, I see when coaches say, we don't want to change him. You know, he's so good, you know, if we change him. But guess what? When you change somebody in the direction of what's normal for the body, and none of what I'm saying is abnormal, your body always likes to, to move normally. You're always going to improve what you do. But let's say you're him, and he's got pain, and you say, hey, this is simple. It's your wrist. It's just a simple little adjustment. Hey, he's not, you know, 19 years old where he can say, oh, I'm going to live forever. He should be, wow, if this is going to help me pitch three, four more years, awesome, easy, I'll do it. So I think that um, these are things to consider. So the sooner you catch it. So I'm happy that, Justin, that you noticed that your pitcher's doing it. And I think you're asking a great question. So I'm uh, hoping that you're going to add to that list of arms that we're all saving. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, thanks, Justin. And uh, this is why we didn't answer you an email, but rather on the show, because it would have been about 15 pages. (laughs) It's why I don't answer uh, yes in email. It's like writing a thesis. Oh, well, if you can't be thorough, you shouldn't answer a question. That's what I say. So... That's a that's a good philosophy. So uh, I I think we've given the uh, the pitchers and the coaches and the parents enough for this episode. I mean, pretty chock full of information as always. Once again, this was episode number six of season four of Baseball Pitching the Fix, featuring Angel Borelli. To learn more about Angel, you can go to her website, gymscience.com, G-Y-M-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. And if you have any questions about pitching uh, related to anything we've been talking about or some question you have about keeping pitchers safe, you can always email Angel at angel at gymscience.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Fixing Pitchers. You can come to my website, fixingpitchers.com, where we have some extra notes and images and things related to the podcast. If you like this show, please share it with other coaches and players and parents and If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcasts, or do it the easy way. Just get our app. Just go to your app store and look for Baseball Pitching Fix. And that's the show for this week. We'll be back in about two weeks. Until then, I wish everyone safe and effective performance on the pitching mound.